Hey guys, it's Ashley again. Welcome to episode three of Misfiring Synapses. Today we're going to be talking about hardcore, punk, and other alternative music subgenres and mental health. This is a fucking topic that I have wanted to talk about for over 10 years. Ever since I got into hardcore when I was like 13, 14, 15, you know, back in the dinosaur ages of 2010, 2011, um, this is something that I have wanted to explore for a really fucking long time. And I think it's just a shame that it's not talked about at all. This is a topic that I have never seen a book on, that I have barely seen any type of articles on. Um, I've never even heard it brought up in conversation, maybe like in Twitter posts and stuff, but like nothing in any type of media has ever explored the correlation between hardcore and other heavy music and mental health. And that is such a shame. Because when I think of heavy music in general, I think of vulnerability, I think of emotion, I think of passion, I think of people putting themselves out there in their mental illness, in all of their symptoms, and kind of just letting themselves go you know that's what i think of in heavy music is i just think of people being themselves and being genuine and being congruent with who they see themselves as as a human being i think that hardcore and other heavy music in general is not talked about in terms of mental health and addiction because hardcore and heavy music just in general in my opinion, is seen as kind of a masculine thing. And in Western society, you know, masculinity is not often paired with emotion, with passion, with vulnerability. It is, you know, it is paired with stoicism and vigor and things that are just not seen as vulnerable. I don't know how else to describe it. Heavy music in general makes people feel exposed, in my opinion. It really sheds light on our inner psyche and the way that we perceive things and how we truly feel inside, you know, and I think that that's just exemplified through the music. You know, it's just like I said, it's filled with so much passion, with so much perseverance, and it's seen musically, it's seen lyrically. It's just amazing, in my opinion, and that's why I consider myself a part of this scene. I think it's genuinely amazing, and I think that it is so unique. So in recent years, especially since the pandemic, musicians have been polled on more than one occasion, and more than 70% have stated that they have suffered from anxiety and depression, and more than half of the musicians stated that their mental health struggles went untreated due to either health insurance problems money, or not being able to find the right treatment. And I think that this just sheds light on a bigger societal problem in American, I guess you could say Western society, is that our mental health system is fucking broken. And this is something I see time and time again with my clients in my work. Um, it's so sad and it's genuinely a shame because us as Americans have so much potential to do so much good and we're just fucked up from everything that has happened in our lives, especially millennials, Gen Z, like 
we've seen more tragedy and trauma than like literally any other generation in my opinion like we have been through so much and you know just in general like we're just fucked up <laughs> like it's crazy i think that these statistics are just a microcosm of american society as a whole and i think it really reflects how our current population is really dealing with the mental health crisis that is happening right here and now and nothing is being done about it our legislation our leaders nothing is being done about it if anything people are ruining it even more in my opinion and it's just terrible you know and that's another conversation for another day which i will do a podcast episode on probably but for now let's just keep it at that you know and when we think of mental health and addiction in hardcore the first person that comes to mind is Riley Gale from Power Trip. May he rest in peace. Honestly, such a talented individual, and I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of his death out of respect for his family and his friends, but I genuinely just think of him whenever, you know, I think of addiction, whenever I think of mental illness. You know, I don't know the, like I said, I don't know the ins and outs of his death. Um, it's none of my business, but we do know that it was caused by fentanyl, and I, of all people, know this too well, that fentanyl fucking sucks. Um, in my opinion, it was not purposeful. I mean, you know, it was probably accidental. Um, and that's just so sad, you know, and that's just really sad because our community lost a huge person who was a role model for so many people and who brought joy to so many people's lives through their music, through their personality, and it's just such a shame. You know, addiction has been a huge topic in hardcore punk since the beginning. I mean, with many prolific individuals in the genre struggling on and off for years, you know, you constantly hear about people, you know, going off the deep end and going to rehab, God knows what else. Um, and, you know, decades ago, like four or five decades ago, the thought of someone in hardcore or punk kind of sitting on a therapist or a psychiatrist's couch um, would have seemed ridiculous. Whereas now, you know, there's a greater emphasis on mental health awareness and recovery. And luckily, this kind of outlook that that's a negative thing has kind of subsided. Thank God. As I stated previously, I genuinely believe that hardcore and other heavy music communities are just a microcosm of Western society as a whole. Um, the general demographics and statistics of mental illness well, rates of mental illness kind of stay the same. It's just the way that our musicians express themselves that is different than the normal individual, which obviously raises eyebrows and makes people think that mental illness runs rampant through the genre. But it's that passion, it's that perseverance, and it's the vulnerability that keeps the genre going, in my opinion. Whether it's negative, whether it's positive, it doesn't fucking matter. There's just a certain uniqueness to our music, and it's just so beautiful. So, music has always been an outlet for us who struggle with mental health issues. Whether it's writing it or listening to it, it plays a part in the emotional expression of our deepest thoughts and desires. 
Musicians of all types struggle with mental illness, and as I stated previously, it's just a microcosm of our society as a whole. This episode was not created to say that hardcore and other heavy music has bigger roots in mental illness as opposed to other genres of music. But it would be a folly to say that punk rock and hardcore punk and mental health haven't been intertwined since the beginning. Punk rock and its associated subgenres embody our feelings and involvement, both positively and negatively. Panic attacks, anxiety, looking for acceptance, and attempting to overcome our demons, all while confronting oppressive systems, has been a stable of hardcore and punk rock from the beginning. And I have to give props to Hardcore Anxiety, the graphic novel by Reed Chancellor. I gave it a read, I bought the ebook, and it was so cute, and honestly, like, it wasn't, I shouldn't say cute, but it was so informative, and it was funny, and I just want to give him a shout out, um, because... It was honestly really informative for me, especially when I was researching stuff for this podcast, so I didn't sound like a fucking idiot when I was talking about shit that I didn't understand. Um, but it really pushed, the, the graphic novel really pushed the topic of hardcore and mental illness being a part of something bigger. And it really backs up what I said in that heavy music in general just has a different type of message that comes across for us who are in it you know if you know you know that's just what I that's just what I say to people you know if you know you know if you understand you understand so you know four or five decades ago in the late 70s early 80s we had the Ramones in New York you know one of the first punk bands and they often explored their mental state in their music their drug use and all of their fucking issues um, we had Bad Brains, you know, one of the pioneers of hardcore punk. We have HR, the front man. Um, you know, he's been described as a visionary um, by all the bigwigs in the scene. Um, and he's always pushed for a positive mental attitude. And likewise, you know, he's kind of struggled with mental and physical health issues. And his lyrics kind of bring an uplifting element to music, which is often nihilistic in hardcore. And he's also struggled with schizophrenia, as chronicled by his wife. We have bands like the Dead Kennedys, who tackle topics such as emotional isolation as a result of Western culture, and they explored anger through the means of questioning everything. And this kind of paved the way for present hardcore punk that we know now. There's a lot more fucking other examples, but I'm gonna be real, I'm not a hardcore historian. I know the general bands and I know like the general lore but I this is not a hardcore historian podcast so if that's what you're looking for I'm sorry I regret to inform you that that is not what this episode is going to be about but my point is is that in the past 40 literally 40 to 50 years I mean hardcore and mental health have been intertwined so closely and it has never been fucking talked about and it is just so fucking frustrating to me honestly it really is it sucks and I don't understand it and I never will but that's why we're here today So I originally wanted to have people on the podcast talk about stuff, but I asked probably like 20 to 25 people to be on it, 
And a lot of people wanted to be on this episode, but they wanted to remain anonymous, which is understandable. You know, people don't like to listen to themselves talk or they're self-conscious about what they're going to say and people listening, yada, 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 which is fine. So I decided to not have anybody on, at least for this episode, but I created a survey on SurveyMonkey with some questions that I thought of that I really wanted to answer in this episode. And, you know, I wanted to get the consensus of my peers in hardcore because I know I feel a certain type of way, but that doesn't mean that everybody else feels the same type of way. And, you know, I was annoying as fuck and I posted it on my story. I posted it on my timeline like four times and I got over 30 responses, which is great. Um, it was a lot to read through and I had to pay SurveyMonkey for a premium membership to read all of them. And it took some fucking time, but I read through it. And thank you to everybody who participated. I really appreciate you. You have no idea how much I appreciate you. Um, the responses were immaculate and honestly it just shed so much light on opinions and it was just great to read honestly. So the first question that I came up with was what kind of subgenres of heavy music do you consider yourself a part of? And the majority of people said obviously hardcore, punk, beatdown, just punk, metalcore, death metal, and deathcore. And now for each person who responded, luckily SurveyMonkey is really cool in that I can click on each answer and see the person's entirety of all of their answers. So for instance, like this one person that stated that they identify as punk, you know, I can read all of their answers um, and I can obviously attribute that to somebody who identifies as a part of the punk community as a part of just hardcore or deathcore or death metal or metalcore, whatever it may be. So when I was analyzing the results and I was kind of taking notes, you know, I kind of really paid attention to the specific genres that people listen to and their associated answers because I genuinely think that each kind of subgenre, subculture, if you will, within hardcore and hardcore punk, um, there's differences in how people view things. And I really wanted to exemplify that in this episode. So, yeah. So the second question was, what genuinely brought you to heavy music in the first place? And the majority of people said that they liked the sound and that they felt a connection to the message. Um, and then other people, you know, name dropped symptoms and stuff. So depression, feeling alienated from your peers, the politics, the camaraderie, um, being an outcast, being sober at a young age. Um, and then people who kind of align more with punk kind of said that it was more for the community and more for the politics. I know for me, um, you know, I started off as like an emo kid, to be honest, you know, listening to like screamo and shit like that. And then I forget what band I, who did I find? I think I found Floor Punch on MySpace and I listened to it and I was like, what is this old guy talking about? And then I really listened to it and I was like, this is fucking cool, man. Like I genuinely thought it was fucking cool. Like I really thought it was really cool, you know? And then I found other New Jersey bands like Mouthpiece and, you know, and then I kind of got into like Jack Hardcore a little bit, like Lionheart and like all those really like cringy bands. <laughs> no offense, but like, <laughs> um, 
you know, and then I just kind of, it just kind of took off from there. Um, so I know for me, um, I was just brought to heavy music because I genuinely felt like an outcast. I did not fit in. I never fit in anywhere. You know, I was into chorus and art and, you know, I was always made fun of and, you know, I was always kind of looked at as the weird kid. So when I found heavy music and, you know, me being the mentally ill child that I already was and I listened to the lyrics, I really identified with it and I really loved what I heard and it it made me feel validated. It made me feel safe and I just loved it. I loved it right off the bat. So it's really nice to have read the responses and to have people say the same thing. Um, you know, it just genuinely cements my involvement in the scene and it makes me feel, you know, like I'm not alone. So this is where shit gets good. Um, the third question that I asked was, what do you guys think of heavy bands with an overtly positive message? So. I originally put posi core bands, but then my friend was like, don't say that, you're gonna offend people, yada yada yada. So I don't know, I still hold true. What do I, you know, straight up, I asked, what do people think of posi core bands? So, you know, bands like Have Heart, In My Eyes, Down to Nothing, um, you know, just bands like that who have like that positive mental attitude message, PMA. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So for number three, um, I asked, what do you think of heavy bands with an overtly happy message? And originally I put posi core bands, um, but my friend, you know, kind of called me out and he was like, you're going to offend people, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I don't give a fuck. Like, so just bands like Have Heart, you know, Down to Nothing, In My Eyes, bands with that like positive mental attitude, PMA kind of a message, you know, what did people think of that? And like I said before, you know, I analyzed the results and they were mixed. Um, and I kind of put it down to the different subgenres that people associated with. So people who associated heavily with punk generally stated that they could not at all relate to the PMA type bands that they were lying to themselves and that it was toxic positivity and that they were kind of living in la la land. Um, you know, and then I had another person put that just the world sucks in general, which I, that made me fucking laugh, like, hysterically, because I was, I'm half asleep right now, it's fucking three o'clock in the morning, and I'm doing this, so that shit made me laugh. Um, you know, and then I had somebody else say that, you know, people make music for different reasons, and this person also, um, you know, attributed punk to their to a part of their identity. And I kind of thought that this was a good viewpoint to have. Um, you know, like they kind of, and they, they said some other stuff about youth crew bands and stuff like that, which also have that PMA type of an attitude. Um, and I thought that this answer was the one that I most agreed with. Um, you know, I don't feel any type of way about overtly happy bands. It's not really my vibe. Um, I will say when I was younger, you know, down to nothing, have heart, 
and youth crew bands were a huge part of my childhood. Well, not childhood, I guess teenagerhood. Um, you know, because when you look up hardcore, like if you Google hardcore, you know, and you're trying to find out more about the genre as like a 14, 15 year old kid, bands like Down to Nothing and Have Heart and all the youth crew bands kind of come up and, you know, those are the things that first, you're first kind of shown, if you will. So, you know, when I was younger, I mean, I fucking loved Have Heart. Like, you know, I, I even went to their last, in 2009, I went to their last show with my friends and it was such a unique experience. It was actually one of my first hardcore shows, believe it or not. Um, and it was great. It honestly was great. Um, I had a great time and it honestly changed my outlook of the genre altogether. And it made me really think that this was something that I wanted to be a part of and that I didn't want to let slip out of my hands. So along this same thought, you know, that people make music for different reasons, I had some other people put that there's a dichotomy um, between positive and negative hardcore and, you know, that a lot of people listen to both, which obviously is true. Um, you know, I think for me, as I've gotten older, I've definitely... Um, I've definitely gone more towards the negative hardcore side of things. I don't know why that is. Um, you know, I just really fucking, not even just caveman music, but just like music that has kind of like a negative connotation to it. I'm just drawn to, I don't know if that's problematic as like a therapist, but it's just true. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, this person stated that they listen to both. And I think that that's true for most people. You know, I mean, not everybody is going to listen to just one type of subgenre of music. You know, people like all different types of music. So, yeah. And then I had somebody say that it depends on the mindset of the person, which I really liked, um, you know, compared to the ignorant caveman music. <laughs> That shit made me die. That shit took me out when they said that. Um, but compared to the ignorant caveman music hardcore um, that, you know, is, like, popular right now, um, sometimes it's insincere, like, the PMA stuff. And, like, I kind of agree. Like, you know, not everything is going to be butterflies and rainbows and, you know, positive mental attitude. Like, you have to be realistic. Like, there's negatives to everything. So, I don't know. You guys brought up a really, like, a lot of really good points. Um, and honestly, like, this just opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Um, but like I said, you know, I, when I was younger, I listened to a lot more of the PMA bands, a lot more of the happy-go-lucky type of bands. Um, and as I've gotten older and more realistic, um... And just in general, I've just liked more of the negative type of music. <laughs> um, but yeah. So for the fourth question, I asked basically the same thing. Um, but, you know, what do you think of negative hardcore? So, you know, bands like Neglect, Blacklisted, Cold as Life, Hundred Demons, um, you name it, you know, whatever any type of negative, whether it's lyrically or just really aggressive, um, 
but mostly lyrically, obviously. Um, and the responses were mixed again, but to be honest, like I probably would say that about 70% of people did not agree that negativity breeds negativity. I had a couple people say that it does, um, but most of you guys stated that it was up to the listener and it really depended on where the listener was at mentally, where they were at emotionally. Um, and most people said that it has actually helped them get through stuff and that it's a reminder that you're not alone in your struggles with mental illness, with addiction, um, and that your negative thoughts are not unique, you know, not saying that, you know, you're not special, but like other people feel the same way that you do. And, you know, people stated that negative hardcore in general is just a reminder of that, that, you know, you're not alone and that other people are going through what you're going through. I had a lot of people talk about beatdown bands, um, probably like seven or eight people like name drop beatdown bands so like everybody gets hurt, irate, bulldoze, um, and they all stated that like just the ignorance of like the musical like just the musical influence of them, even the lyrics, um, kind of gets them through their shit which 100% I can fucking agree with. Um, I love all of those bands. I'm so biased, like I said. Um, but that that really made me feel a part of as well. And it, you know, it kind of cemented that, you know, we all look for different things in our music and we all look for different messages. And I think that that's just a beautiful thing. So another point that some people made, um, and I made a note, like at least like three to four people said this, um, they said that negative hardcore is kind of more realistic than the posy shit, and that the posy shit can kind of be a little performative. Um, and I'm going to say I have to agree a little bit. Um, I'm going to have to agree. Um, I am... Um, I've read the, you know, in researching for this episode, you know, I've, I've gone through some of the positive mental attitude bands and the posy shit. I've read the lyrics, you know, and I've listened to it again, you know, after like, I don't fucking know, like seven or eight years of not listening to that shit. And it, it didn't make me roll my eyes, but it's just not something that I can relate to, I guess, you know, I'm sorry if you feel the opposite, but, you know, I have to agree, kind of, like, I just feel like it's just not realistic to be happy all the time. I'm not saying it's to the point where it's toxic positivity. I wouldn't call it toxic, but I would definitely agree that it's unrealistic. And, but also at the same time, you know, negative hardcore can, the same can be said for negative hardcore, you know, it's unrealistic to be that negative, you know, like it, you need to be somewhere in the middle. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going against what I believe, but it's just the truth. <laughs> you know, you have to be somewhere in the middle. And, um, I think that that's just true for anything. So, and then the last question, which was the most interesting, 
Um, everybody wrote like a paragraph on this, which is very in interesting to me. Um, the last question before the touring stuff that I asked was, how do you deal with the social dynamics of hardcore and heavy music as in general? Um, so I'm just going to start off like for me, um, you know, Ashley, <laughs> um, when I was younger, I loved the drama. I loved the ridiculousness of it. I, th I thrived off of it. I'm not proud of it, but it's just the truth. And I think it's the truth for most of us, you know, especially like if you're in your mid to late twenties, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, if you're in your thirties, even your forties, like, you know, you can look back and you can say, you know, we've all gotten into some shit, um, you know, at some point or another in hardcore, um, or either our friends have, and then we had their back, you know, I mean, there's always just been some shit, um, that we all have gotten into. And if you say otherwise, you're a fucking bullshit ass liar, <laughs> because it's just the truth. But I know now, you know, as a 28 year old woman, um, I stay out of it. I do not get involved. Um, I have no time in my life for shit like that. I, you know, if you are a toxic person, in my opinion, I'm in my healing stage right now and I want nothing to fucking do with that. So I stay far the fuck away from that. And the majority of you guys said the same thing. Um, you know, I... So I had like a couple people message me that they completed the survey and I know how old they are, but then the other half of you guys didn't message me, like it was just randos that filled out stuff. So I don't know the ages, but pretty much everybody, I would say like about like 80% of you guys said that you kind of stay out of the bullshit of hardcore. Um... And, you know, I liked what somebody said, you know, they said that everybody knows everyone, so it's kind of hard to stay completely blissfully unaware. And that is so true. You know, it, it's what I just said. It, you know, it's, we all know everybody in this fucking scene, literally through touring, through bands, you know, I know people in all different types of states from the internet, from meeting people at shows, just in general, you know, so it's hard to kind of be blissfully unaware unless you're literally like you literally never leave your house and you just sit on the internet all day, which unfortunately is a common theme in hardcore nowadays, which is fucking stupid. But anyways, um, <laughs> I had other people say too that when they were younger, um, you know, they were more into the drama and they were more into getting into shit as opposed to now. Um, I also had some people state that shows, at least currently in the present time, are incredibly toxic, um, which I, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, I've been going to shows for like 15 years and I mean, it's always been kind of toxic. Like there's always drama, there's always some type of shit going on. Um, so I, I don't know what I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um. But I, I did like what this person said, that they stated that it was kind of swimming in a fishbowl of untreated wounds. And that is so fucking true. Like, because when you think about it, like, you know, we're talking about hardcore and mental health. Like, we all come to this genre for a reason. Like, I'm sorry, but like, you don't start listening to this ridiculous, heavy-ass, angry music 
if you're normal. Like, it's just not a thing. Like, you have some type of wounds, you have some sort of trauma that you've gone through that makes you like a moth to a flame to the abnor abnormalities that is hardcore music. Like, you know, it's not a normal thing for us to listen to this type of music. <laughs> you know, like, it's just not. I mean, I, I don't know. You can say otherwise, but I'm just going to agree that it's not, it's just not normal. But yeah, so I had the majority of people state that they stayed out of it. Um, and I think that that's good. You know, I think that that's genuinely really good that people, you know, don't want to get into shit and they kind of just want to, you know, do their own thing, and that's that. So overall, you know, I kind of... I kind of agree with most of you guys with what you said. Um, you know, I think when it comes to mental health and hardcore, I think that you can go one of two ways. Um, you know, you can do the whole posi-core happy thing, or you can go the negative route. Um, but for most of us, we kind of fall somewhere in the middle of the Venn diagram, you know, where we listen to both and we kind of identify with both. And depending on our mood, you know, we listen to this band or we listen to a negative band on another day. You know, it just depends on our mood. It depends on where we're at mentally, our mindset, and our emotions. So my professional opinion, that shit is so fucking cringy and corny, I'm so sorry, but <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, my professional opinion as a therapist is just that negative hardcore and positive hardcore exist for different reasons. And depending on our mindset, we go to either or um, to fulfill a need. Um, to get out our feelings, to either support or negate how we feel. Um, it's different for everybody and that's totally okay. And for some people like me, for example, um, I definitely tend to lean more towards negative hardcore in my everyday listening, but I definitely love to listen to youth crew and have heart every now and then. Um, it makes me happy. Um, because it reminds me of my childhood, it reminds, well, my teenagerhood, I should say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's people like me too that exist in that gray area, that exist in that middle ground. And, you know, that's totally okay, you know, and it's totally okay to get the best of both worlds. You know, you don't have to ascribe to one or the other. Um, that's not what hardcore is about. Hardcore, there's a plethora of different subgenres of hardcore and different types of heavy music that people listen to for different reasons. And I think that that's what's so great about our scene and about our music is that, you know, depending on your mindset, depending on where you're at in your life, um, there's, there's different music for you at different points in your life, you know, and I just think that that's awesome. So, you know, whether it's that you liked the sound or you felt a connection to the music or it was because you were depressed, anxious, you felt alienated, you were attracted to the politics, the camaraderie, um, you know, you got sober at a young age or, you know, you felt that you were an outcast, somehow you were brought to hardcore 
and that's why you're listening to this, obviously. So I just want to reassure you guys that it's totally okay. Whatever you listen to, that is totally okay. And I think that that's what's so cool about this whole episode that I'm doing right now is I kind of didn't really know where it would go. Um, I was kind of unsure, but you guys offered some great responses and they were so insightful and they were so amazing. And thank you to everybody who participated, seriously. Um, It really opened my eyes and I have never read just such heartfelt, honestly, like the complete opposite of what people say people in hardcore are about, which is like cavemen behavior, you know, the responses that I got were very heartfelt and were very honest. And I think that it's because it was anonymous, to be honest. Um, but they were just so heartfelt and, you know, it was just so unique to read everybody's responses. So again, thank you guys for participating. Um, it really, really helped me out. Okay, so the last part of what we're going to talk about is touring. Um, This is a huge part of hardcore. Um, You know, any type of DIY music, touring is just how how things progress. You know, this is how bands get known, how friends are made, how connections are made, how networking is done. Um, It's just a huge part of DIY ethics. So I really wanted to cover it. we're, we're, there's only a couple questions that I asked about it and there was only a couple responses because I guess obviously not everybody's in a band, not everybody tours. Um, so the first question I had was what were the, what are the stresses of touring? Um, the majority of people said money, um, gigs being solidified, getting enough sleep, um, van safety, which is completely huge. I mean, I constantly hear about people and their vans getting broken into or getting stolen, you know, and I've donated to countless GoFundMes for people to get their shit back, you know, or to replace their shit, Um, you know, and then other just self-care stuff. So like not showering, not eating well, um, and then kind of being in this purgatory of like asking yourself, is it worth it to keep doing this? Is it, you know, whatever. Um, But then literally everybody put the like eight or nine people that did answer this section they all said that as soon as you play a show it makes it worth it which i thought was fucking awesome and i thought that that's just a fucking beautiful thing that you know despite smelling and not eating good and sleeping like shit on the floor of some random person's house um you know, as soon as you enter that venue and as soon as you get on that stage, you know, something just clicks and it's just different. And I just think that that's so fucking cool. And honestly, like, I wish I played an instrument because I would totally be in a band, but I can't play anything for shit. I can sing pretty well. Um, TBH, like I can sing pretty well, but (laughs) I, I can't play instruments for shit. So, um, I'm definitely very jealous of you guys that are able to be in bands. But anyways, so, Yeah, so those were the stresses of touring. Um, And then I asked, you know, how do you maintain your mental health while you're on tour? Um, And a lot of people said, 
you know, it's stressful to think about how long you're going to be on the road for um, and how you're going to have the money to support yourself. Um, I had a couple people say that the older you get, the harder it is to tour, you know, because you have a family at home, you have kids, you know, you have a house to take care of, a mortgage, rent, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, I had other people say that it's a combination of self-care and balancing your money, um, you know, and maintaining conflict with your band members and making sure that you guys aren't at each other's throats constantly. Um, and then the next question that I asked was, how do you bode with traveling with multiple people on tour? Um, and then what happens if there's a fight? So everybody said that it's pretty good. Um, and everybody said that you have to make sure that you're in a band with personality with people whose personalities align, which I didn't even think about this because like when I think of my friends bands, like they none of them were friends before but when i think about it they all get along so like i feel like you know you know pretty quickly if you go on tour with somebody if they can last in the band you know especially if like you're going to be a big touring band um you know like you need to be with people who vibe with you and about everybody also said that if you can't handle conflict you are not meant to be on tour, which I completely agree with. Um, yeah, if you're going to be in a tiny ass van with people for days or weeks on end, um, you need to be mature enough to be able to handle conflict because obviously you guys are going to butt heads at some point. People get sick of each other. You know, I can only imagine what it's like to be with the same people 24 seven, never leaving their side, long hours in the car, traveling to unknown states, you know, you have to be able to forgive and forget a little bit. So I, and then the last question was, you know, any questions or comments and you guys were so cute. You all were like, this is so awesome that you're doing this and that like, you really appreciate me covering this stuff, um, this topic and everything like that. So thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Um, and then somebody, well, I had actually two or three people bring this up, that people wanted me to go into cancel culture. Um, so I think that this is a slippery slope. I have my own personal opinions on it. I mean, I guess this is my podcast, so I can pretty much say whatever the fuck I want, but I, I just, I don't know. I'm just hesitant, but whatever. I, I don't know. It is what it is. So everybody said that cancel culture is fucking stupid um, and that we should separate the art from the artist. And honestly, I am going to have to fucking agree. Um, you know, I um, I don't think that just because you listen to a band that someone was canceled in it, that doesn't make you a bad person. Like... Because, to be honest, we've all done wrong. And now, this is not in cases of, like, rape or sexual assault or people saying the N-word or people just being terrible, disgusting human beings. Like, if they're, if, if people are disgusting human beings like that, then that's a different story. But I have seen some absolutely ridiculous fucking shit on Twitter. Twitter is just a fucking 
shit show in my opinion <laughs> um for hardcore and you know i have seen some ridiculous ass shit and it's always perpetuated by some like 18 year old kid who like decided that some person is problematic for some shit that probably isn't even true or the screenshots are like all edited and shit i can't even there's just so many things that i've seen and you know for that reason i think that it's okay to separate the art from the artist because you know one band shouldn't go down for one person's poor decisions you know but like i said you know it depends it's it's on a case-by-case -case basis it depends on what happened it depends on the severity of the issue but for the most part you know for current bands who i've seen there be fucking drama and shit um there's always two sides to every story you know and you just have to go off you know what proof there is and you know what people that you know say about the situation you know like i just I don't know. I like I said. I'm I'm gonna get canceled for saying this shit. Probably. <laughs> I've been I've actually already been canceled on Twitter like three times. So, and I've had people come for my neck multiple times because, God forbid, I you know tell people that maybe they should get mental health treatment and not rely on strangers on the internet for validation and for answers to their issues. But anyways, that's a story for another day. Um, but yeah, I um, I have to agree with you guys with the cancel culture stuff. Um, maybe I'll do an episode on this. Um, I don't know. That's a big commitment because it's putting myself out there. Um, <laughs> and I'm not really somebody who likes to stir the pot. But, um, but yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you f to everybody who participated in my survey who messaged me separately and gave me their two cents. Um, it really helped me out and it really opened my eyes to just how amazing and insightful and strong our scene is and how amazing everybody that I've ever met in it is. Um, it's just cemented that in my head. Like it's just, there's nothing like it that I've been a part of that can compare. Um, so, you know, in conclusion, I think that mental health and hardcore just needs to be talked about more, um, 100%. It needs to be talked about more. And it's not a touchy subject, you know. Just because hardcore is seen as a masculine thing and other heavy music is seen as a masculine thing doesn't mean that we can't have conversations about mental health and self-care and not sitting in our shit, you know. Like, we live in an era right now that is for healing era like it's for healing you know like there's no excuse anymore to like sit in your shit and like i say this to my clients all the time and like you can tell me that i'm wrong like i'm taking into account people's mental illness symptoms and everything but unless you're completely psychotic and you have no idea what's going on and you're cognizant that you're struggling I genuinely believe that you have a duty to yourself and to society to challenge yourself enough to get better. And I say this because I'm going through this right now with myself, dude. Like, literally, like, I was a fucking mess the past year, year and a half. Like, I was fucking in shambles. And 
I'm really pushing myself right now to get better and I'm holding myself accountable and I'm doing my DBT therapy. I see my individual therapist. I'm on meds, you know, so it is possible to hold yourself accountable um, and to step up to the plate, you know, and that's just the era we're we're living in, you know, and hardcore music can, can help with that. You know, it can help you express your anger, your emotion, your frustration. Um, And that's just my, that's just my two cents. You know, I genuinely believe that hardcore is more positive than it is negative. Um, And you guys all agree with me. So that's where I'm at with this. Hopefully this was pretty insightful and it was helpful. Um, I think the next episode I'm going to do is either going to be on straight edge and addiction or it's going to, it's going to be on men's mental health or it might be on another borderline personality disorder issue. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really cemented my idea yet, but thank you so much for listening. I know this is kind of a long ass fucking episode, but um, I kind of had a lot to say. So (laughs) thank you again for listening and I will see you guys next time. Bye.